Welcome to the Curious Cowgirl Travel Podcast, where I'm offering tips, information, advice, and reflections on my travels across the world. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, you all. Welcome back to another episode of the Curious Cowgirl Travel Podcast. I am really glad that y'all are here with me. I have a very uh, fun bit of information to share with you all. So let me kind of give you all the background about how this particular travel experience took place. So I know that a lot of you all who listen to my podcast on the regular know that my husband and I travel up to Massachusetts usually twice a year, sometimes three times a year to experience and buy antiques and vintage at the big Brimfield Antique and Flea Market. Brimfield, Massachusetts is about, I would say about an hour, a little over an hour west of Boston. And we've been going to Brimfield I don't know, for probably four years now, maybe five years. It's hard to do, man, time, you know, time flies. But anyway, we love going. And so as we were kind of planning our trip this year, my daughter, who is going into her senior year in college, it has been home for the summer. And we were visiting, you know, kind of with her about her summer plans. And as we were talking about going to Brimfield in July, she said, you know, you and Will have talked so much about that flea market you know, I kind of would like to go see it. And that got the wheels in my head turning. And I said, well, you know what, babe, you know, what's close to um, the Freedom Trail, Lexington, I'm sorry, close to Brimfield is Lexington and Concord and Boston. We're right there. And she's a really big fan of American history. She's, you know, um, loves the musical Hamilton and all of that. And she was like, oh my gosh, I would really like to go to Boston. So we ended up kind of planning a post-Brimfield trip with her so that she could see, you know, kind of all of those great American history sites in the area. So Will and I have been to Boston together a couple of times, and we have, I guess, visited parts of Boston and and places on the Freedom Trail, but we had never walked the Freedom Trail you know, from from soup to nuts, beginning to end, ever. And so this was obviously the perfect opportunity to do that since we had Elizabeth Ann with us. So I started doing some research about, you know, just some general overviews about the Freedom Trail. You know, how long is it? And, you know, where does it start? Where does it end? You know, kind of how many sites are there? that you would want to see as you're walking the Freedom Trail. And so I kind of gathered all that, you know, um, information for my basket. But the experience that we had was different than kind of what I thought it was going to be based on what I read online. So let me give you all the overview of what the Freedom Trail is and what it's all about. And then I will share with you all our experiences and my tips for those of you all who might want to walk the entire Freedom Trail. So First of all, the Freedom Trail was, I guess, established and dedicated and all that in the 50s in Boston. 
And basically, it is it is a, a path through Boston that takes you by museums and churches and homes and burial grounds and parks and historic markers that all tell the story of the American Revolution. There are um, 16, I guess, significant locations along the Freedom Trail, and the trail itself is two and a half miles long. The trail is literally a red brick trail. There are two side-by-side red bricks that have been laid in a trail from um, you know, both the beginning and ending points for two and a half miles. So, you know, kind of like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, as they followed the yellow brick road, you are literally following a red brick path. And the red brick path is embedded in parks and in sidewalks and across streets. And it's, it makes it very, very, very easy to follow the trail. Now, if you've never been to Boston, some of these things I'm saying to you are, I guess, in the vein of if you've never been. But it's important to remember that even though you are going to see, you know, Revolutionary War period historic places, markers, locations where things happened, Boston is a, a real big metropolitan city. And, you know, because the city center, you know, back in 1776 is the city center today, a lot of these historic locations, places, sites you're going to see are smack dab in the middle of downtown Boston. I think if you're not anticipating that, it can be, you know, a little shocking that you're literally crossing busy downtown streets. But at the same time, I think it's also kind of cool because it makes you realize, you know, what an important place Boston has been, you know, since the formation of our nation and what an important place it still is and how all of the important centers of business and commerce and all of that, where they started, are still taking place in Boston today. So I, I think that's, you know, I think that's kind of, you know, a cool aspect. When you um, read or listen to this podcast and understand that the Freedom Trail is two and a half miles long, I want to give you all a little more context about that because two and a half miles is not very long, is not very far. However, it is not as, um, you know, kind of cut and dried as that may seem to be. So when my husband and my daughter and I walked the Freedom tra- the Freedom Trail, we clocked in 7 miles of walking over 6 hours. Okay, so wh- how could that be? If it's two and a half miles long but we walked 7 miles, what's that about? Well, so as you, you know, go to all of these different points along the Freedom Trail, you're going to get off the trail and you might walk into a home, Paul Revere's home, for example. Maybe you stop and you're seeing a church. You know, the, the, the old North Church is important. You'll, you might decide to buy a ticket and walk in. You know, when you, there's a couple of cemeteries, burial grounds and along the way, and you may get off the trail and spend some time walking through the, um, the burial ground. So, you definitely are going to walk a many, many more miles than two and a half miles. So I think that's important to know. Some portions of the Freedom Trail are uphill and some are downhill, depending on where you start. I'm going to explain that in a minute. So it is not 100% walking on flat, you know, sidewalks, city streets or whatever. So that is something important to keep in mind. And 
there are a number of places where you are walking up and down stairs, um, up and down, um, you know, kind of narrow stairs. The barrel grounds, you're walking upstairs or steps to get into them. If you go to Bunker Hill, you're definitely walking up a very steep hill to get there. So, you know, I think that those are all things to keep in mind as you're planning on walking the Freedom Trail. You know, if I, I'll give you all a, a couple of thoughts of mine regarding traveling maybe with people who are, maybe don't have the endurance you know, it could be little bitty kids or it could be older kids or it could be, or older people, or it could be somebody who, I don't know, you know, maybe they've got an injury and they're on crutches or whatever. You know, you don't have to see every single site on the Freedom Trail. You can definitely pick and choose the the few that you want to see. Um, it is, it is not, it is not a have to, to see every single thing. And I will share with y'all a couple of places where you might decide to skip or or start at a different point depending on physical limitations of the people that you're traveling with. So we'll we'll get to that in a minute. The other thing that I think you need to have a heads up about regarding the Freedom Trail is uh, Boston is a very popular tourist destination. And so especially in the summertime, um, there are a lot of people that are walking the Freedom Trail. And so that's just something else that you need to keep in mind. There are areas where the streets are narrow and it gets congested with, you know, tour groups or, you know, whatever. And so that's just another thing to, to think about ahead of time. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something to know that, you know, summertime is super busy. I, I can't speak to spring break, you know, kind of that March, April time frame. It's still really cold in Boston then. I don't know how many people are walking the Freedom Trail then. I would imagine the holidays nobody is because it's real cold in Boston in you know December, January. So, all right. So where do where does it start? Where does the Freedom Trail start? So there's two ways to look at the Freedom Trail. Obviously, there's you know there's um, it is a trail, so there's a beginning and an end point depending on where you are. So one of the potential starting points is right inside Boston Common, which is the park. It would be like the Central Park of Boston. So you can begin your walk along the Freedom Trail in the Boston Common, or you, if, you, if you're wanting to start at the very, very end or very, very beginning. The other place that's the very end or very beginning is at the Bunker Hill Monument. So let me talk to you a little bit about starting on the Bunker Hill Monument end of the line, so to speak. So the Charles River, you're going to have to cross the Charles River across a bridge to get to Bunker Hill. The Bunker Hill Monument is truly at the top of a very steep hill, and the neighborhood where the Bunker Hill Monument is located is also a little bit of an uphill walk. And so we started our um, Freedom Trail walk at the Boston Common. And so by the time we got to, you know, Seven miles later, six hours later, um, you know, we were having to walk up, uh, you know, uh, a neighborhood that was kind of a hill to the bottom of a very steep hill and up a bunch of stairs to get to the top of the Bunker Hill to see the monument. And, you know, we're all in good shape and it was fine, but we were still super tired. And even the visitor center there at the Bunker Hill monument is a two floor, maybe three floor um, visitor center. The bathrooms are kind of on the basement level. 
Then you walk in at street level. You have to go up a set of stairs to get to the ground level, so to speak, the main level. And then if you want to watch like the introductory film about what happened at Bunker Hill, it's on the third floor. So there's a lot of stairs involved with that. So, you know, if you if you're dedicated and committed to seeing every single point on the Freedom Trail, I might advise you to start at the Bunker Hill Monument and then work your way back to the Boston Common. At least that way you're, you know, I think that's probably the hardest, steepest part of the trail and um, you can see it that way. If you're not worried about that, then start at the Boston Common and just know that at the end it's going to be a little bit steep. If you start at the Boston Common, there is also a visitor center there with restrooms, and so that's a good place to start, too. You can also, you know, in either visitor center, you can pick up a map and, you know, ask questions about what you're going to see or whatever. So there's visitor centers at both points. If you decide to start at the Boston Common, the good thing about that decision is, I would say like 99% of all the sites along the Freedom Trail are closest to the Boston Common. So if you're um, either limited in time or, you know, you don't have to go see the Bunker Hill Monument or you don't want to go to the top of a steep hill, if you start at the Boston Common, then you're real close to just about all of the sites on the Freedom Trail that, you know, any tourist would want to see. So that's, you know, that's a pro. The con about starting at the Boston Common is that I bet most people start their their walk at, on the Boston Common, and there's lots of people, like a whole, whole, whole lot of people. So if you get frustrated by big crowds of people or, you know, whatever it is, just know that there's always fewer people at Bunker Hill. There's more people on the Boston Common. So, you know, if crowds matter to you, then, you know, that's something to kind of keep in mind. As far as, you know, information about all the sites that you're seeing, I will be really honest with y'all. I do not do group tours. I mean, like hardly ever. They really, really, really frustrate me. I don't like, um, I'm super (laughs) A-type to start off with. And so I don't like being in a group where my, the pace of my walk is determined by a big group of people. I don't like not being able to linger longer if I want to or move past something if I'm not that interested in it you know I don't like having my pace dictated by kind of the speed of the group so I don't ever ever rarely rarely do group tours there are a lot of companies that offer group tours of the Freedom Trail and I am sure they are excellent this has nothing to do with the quality of the tours that you can go on I just don't do group tours. I'm just, I can't handle it. Neither can my husband. We were with my daughter who, you know, is 22 and she was awesome at, you know, researching things. And she got on her phone and found an absolutely fantastic app that we downloaded. It's called the Freedom Trail app. And let me sidebar here by saying that I have written a blog post um, regarding everything that I'm sharing with y'all in this episode. And I will link to my blog post in the show notes of this episode. So you can go to the blog post and I have a screenshot of what that app looks like. It's called the Freedom Trail um, app and we downloaded it. And I want to say, I can't remember exactly, but it was very inexpensive. It was like $5 maybe or $6. It was not an expensive um, app at all to download. And we each downloaded the app on our own phones. And then 
put in our earbuds. And then the app, as you got to, it was, it was interesting how it worked. It was, you know, obviously it was sensing where we were walking because as we would get close to a particular site, it would begin talking on its own and start to describe what you were seeing. You could stop it. You know, you could rewind it. You could fast forward it if you wanted to. And then at several of the sites, um, you got you know, kind of the general basic overview information. And then there were like some smaller, like mini tours you could do if you wanted to. So you could you know, be as broad as you want or go as deep as you want on some of the um, sites, which I thought was great. And for like six bucks, you know, that was, I felt like money really well spent. Um, it was really easy to follow the app shows you pictures of what you're looking at. So if you're not exactly sure what you're looking for, it gives you pictures so you can easily see it. I thought it was great. I thought that was a very good way to um, to visit the Freedom Trail. And and especially if you don't like a group, um, if you don't like a group tour, like I don't. Um, another bit of information that probably would be helpful for you all to know is Part of the Freedom Trail will take you right through a neighborhood in Boston called the North End. The North End is the very famous Italian, primarily Italian neighborhood in Boston. And there are literally dozens and dozens of restaurants and coffee shops and bakeries and, um, you know, places to get gelato and all of that in the North End. So, that might be you know something to keep in mind depending on when you start the tour. If you start it, you know, kind of in the morning, well, when you get, you'll know you're in the North End because you lit, it, literally the Freedom Trail walks you down a street where there's, you know, restaurants on either side. You can't miss it. You may want to stop and get something to eat at that point or get a coffee or stop and find a bathroom or whatever. But that, that I think is kind of nice because I think it's sometimes it's kind of like, ah, where are we going to be able to get a drink or use the restroom or whatever? So you're in the North End through part of the tour. So that, you know, that's pretty convenient. There are a couple of places that I could recommend to you all where I have eaten. I don't ever recommend places to y'all that I haven't eaten. There's a lot of really well-known, famous places to eat, but I, I'm only going to recommend to y'all places that I've been in the north end so one of them is the neptune oyster bar very very famous the downside of the neptune oyster bar is that they don't take reservations and people literally line up i don't even know what time they open for lunch let's say they open at 11 well there may be people in line at 10 um, and there's a line all day long now that's in the summertime when there's a lot of people there i i don't know what it's like in low tourist season probably not much of a line um, but it, they're real well known for their, lo their uh, lobster rolls. And so the Neptune, and I have eaten there before, and it was very good. So great place to eat, but you, know, you can't make reservations, so keep that in mind. Another place that um, is real famous that's in the North End is Mike's Pastry Shop. Mike's has been around forever, and they are really famous for their Boston cream pies and also their cannolis. And there is always, you know, during high tourist season, there is always a big long line outside Mike's, maybe even down the block. But the good thing about Mike's is once you get inside the physical building, the line, the single file line that goes down the sidewalk, once you get in, that single file line divides into like six lines inside the pastry shop. So it moves pretty quick faster than you would think. The staff there is real used to dealing with tons of tourists. And um, so that's fun to, 
you know, get a slice of Boston cream pie. They, they'll give you a fork, a to-go fork if you want one. They have like 15 or 20 different flavors of cannoli and, you know, and cupcakes and cookies and all kinds of stuff. So that's always kind of fun. The, there, you know, I, I cannot, um, all of the sites on the Freedom Trail, you all, I think are worth seeing. There's not one that I would, I would recommend to skip. They're all interesting in their own right. That's why they're on the Freedom Trail. So, you know, if, if somebody were to ask me, Mary, is there any site you would skip? The only one I would say skip would be Bunker Hill, only because it's on the other side of the Charles River. It's an uphill climb to get to it. But, it, you know, but it's a hugely important site regarding, you know, the revolution and worth seeing. So I would only skip it if you're skipping it because you don't think you have the energy to do it or somebody in your group may not be able to handle the walk over there and back. Otherwise, I would say you need to see every site on the Freedom Trail. It's worth it. It's worth a day to go see everything. And, you know, again, we spent, you know, like six hours but we also, you know, we we did some detouring. You know, we stopped and got a, you know, a, a, a um, Boston cream pie at Mike's and we sat and had lunch. And so, you know, it was a long day because we made it a long day. It doesn't have to be that long. We just, that was kind of what we were doing that day. So we, you know, we kind of took our time. The other recommendation I would make to y'all, this is maybe will make you chuckle, but it's kind of funny how the red bricks that you're following become really mesmerizing. Like somehow if you take your eyes off your feet as you're walking, you're going to get lost and never find the trail again. (laughs) And I noticed myself doing that a couple of times and I kind of laughed because it's not like it's a real twisty turny trail, you know, at all. I mean, it's, they've done a really good job and there's, you know, there were a couple of places where there was um, like road construction going on. And so part of the street was torn up and therefore you couldn't see the red bricks and they had come in with red spray paint and spray painted kind of like your detour route. So you aren't going to get lost. I mean, it's not complicated. And if you keep looking down at your feet and following those red bricks, you're really going to miss enjoying the transition of all of the different neighborhoods that you're going to walk through. You're going to miss absorbing a lot of what makes walking the freedom trail really interesting. I mean, you're in a very historic part of America. And so I would really encourage you as much as you can, keep your eyes up, you know, look around, look up, you know, soak, soak in, soak up all of the different neighborhoods and sights and sounds that you're, that you're going to be confronted by because it's, that's part of the learning experience. That's part of the charm of walking the freedom trail. My last tip for you all is this. I would definitely be very weather aware, um, you know, because Boston is on the water, the weather can change really quickly. Weather can roll in really quickly. And so I would just, if, if there's any possibility that it might rain, I would take that seriously and bring an umbrella with you. You can certainly, there are, once you get into the North End and there's all those restaurants and shops and stuff, there's doorways you can duck into if it starts raining. But otherwise, you're a little bit exposed to the elements. And so I would definitely pay attention to the weather and just be kind of prepared if there's a possibility of something rolling in. Because there's, you know, there's not a lot of places to seek shelter, so to speak, if it starts raining or, you know, whatever. Um, There's places where that would be very difficult. Those are my tips for experiencing the Freedom Trail in Boston. I hope that was helpful to y'all. I cannot recommend 
this experience highly enough. There's a lot of great things to do in Boston, but this is, you know, uh, if you had to make a, a list of things that are that you can do and prioritize them, then I would put walking the Freedom Trail as the absolute number one must do thing in Boston if you only had one day to be there. There's other great things to do in Boston. I'll be sharing those experiences in future podcast episodes, but I would say the Freedom Trail is an absolutely must do have to if you find yourself in Boston. All right, you all, I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode and I look forward to visiting with you all again soon. Take care.